You're listening to the Finding Unique Value Podcast with Jay Sparks. Hi, this is Jay Sparks, your host of Finding Unique Value. I interview business leaders that have found unique value in their business or industry that others have not seen or explored yet. I'm excited here to be joined by George Demiri. And uh, please correct me if I, if I mispronounce that, George. Uh, today, the CEO of Bloomberg <laughs> Technology, uh, which has roots in uh, traditional publishing and is a ed tech pioneer and developer of digital content solutions for publishers and the e-training industry. They also have a modular software as a service offering, uh, My Content Factory, that simplifies the digital content development process. But why is this important? And, and what... George and, and, and Gutenberg Technology are trying to do here is, is manage knowledge in a very creative and engaging way. So he works with um, higher education, academics, but also there's many business applications here. For many of us in the business world, um, you know, our products don't and services don't sell themselves. We need to educate people. And there certainly is lots of different tools we can use, and there's lots of information we want to get across, but how do you do it in a, in a beautiful and, uh, and creative way? And Gutenberg Technology has figured out a way to do that um, in a very, very cost-effective way, and um, I'm excited to hear how they are able to provide value for their clients that need these types of uh, types of services. I also ran across their motto, and, and, and I think it's very, uh, very interesting. Uh, the motto is, we push the boundaries of technology, so you can push the boundaries of education, which I think is something that uh, all of us are, are striving to do. So welcome to the podcast, George. It's, uh, it's great to be speaking with you today. Thank you, Jay. Thank you very much for, for the opportunity. I'm super excited to, uh, to be here and have this conversation with you today. Great, great. Well, I, I would like you to take a minute to um, just to go over your background, because you really have a fascinating background. I didn't, I didn't get into it, but you've, you've actually been in you know, several different countries, and now you're here in the, in the United States. So you have a, a very uh, international uh, background in, in several different industries, so you bring some really unique um, skills and experiences to Gutenberg technology and also to the uh, the CEO role that would really be interesting for us to uh, to learn. So uh, I'll let you I'll let you take it away. Yes, thank you. Indeed, it has been a it has been a very um, I would say interesting uh, and diverse journey. I, so I'm originally Albanian, but I'm also uh-huh. a French uh, citizen. I grew up in Albania. Then, when I was 18 years old, uh, moved to Italy, Milan, to play uh, professional soccer, but as well uh, go to university and do my studies there. Then finished my studies in digital communication and started as a software developer um, and did some two, three years in Milan. Then I met this uh, magnificent uh, French girl and yeah. moved to Paris for her. Okay. <laughs> and started working. <laughs> Start, uh, there's where the story becomes even more intriguing, right? And yeah. uh, uh, moved to Paris, married her and started working as well in um uh, doing consulting for this international company in um, in providing to uh, medias and uh, newspapers this tool to uh, publish uh, globally, basically the the information in real time. Uh, spent a year there. Then uh, in France, um, I had the opportunity and the chance to meet um, the new friend that at the time needed help to uh, to co-found this uh, crowdfunding company. So. I helped uh, to uh, to create this company, which is called Anaxago.com. 
still exists and it's one of the most successful crowdfunding company in France. And after that, uh, very soon I, uh, I, um, I found Gutenberg. Uh, I started very low at Gutenberg, low, I would say I started as a project manager actually, but had a, had a lot of skills in business in technologies, uh, and had this entrepreneurial spirit. So I quickly ramped up, took, uh, sales and marketing, then become deputy CEO. So developed the business in, in, uh, in Paris, uh, then Europe, and then two years and a half ago moved, um, from Paris to Boston, so another country, uh, yeah. and um, to develop a business here in the United States, uh, open the offices, hire the teams, and uh, you know, go and sell to universities, publishers, and corporates. And finally, uh, I had the chance, and uh, the board gave me this opportunity to become the president and CEO of the company. And here I am today. Talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a. I don't know which movie we need to we need to make. You know, whether it's the romance or the professional <laughs> soccer or the starting of the company or the moving to the uh, United States and starting another company. That that is uh, that that's a lot uh, already, um, and we haven't it even is. gotten into what you're doing right now. So that. Uh, <laughs> um, no, that, that that that's very impressive. Now, there's a a whole ton of questions that just came up just based on just those, those couple of. Uh, facts, but one thing that's very interesting to me is that it's not uh, for a, for a growing company like Gutenberg Technology. It, it's it's very difficult to find someone in the ranks, unless it's a very large company, that can sit in the CEO role, right? Because it's so difficult to fill. There's very rarely someone in your organization that can just you know jump into that. Typically, you need to go outside and then later groom someone, right? So how how did that journey? Um, go for you? Because you haven't been there all that long. I mean, you've been there several years, but how were you able to position yourself and get the board's confidence that you could take Gutenberg technology to the to the next step? Yes, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, I would say, first of all, so I've been at, at the company with the company almost eight years now, but it's all my life, I would say it has been preparing me to be where mm -hmm. I am. Um, all the challenges that I had to uh, to face, all the new languages that I had to learn to uh, you know to integrate myself in these new countries. Um, I think what uh, what probably convinced the board and what makes me the right person today is um, it's first thing the attitude. Um, so attitude of being uh, having a positive out outlook. In, uh, and seeing an opportunity all the time, even in the most difficult moments, uh, but especially the um, the understanding of the business. So the understanding of the business means I have a background in, in technology. I understand technology, but as well, I've been an entrepreneur, have a very understanding, good understanding of what business means and how do you translate that value of the technology into business for your customers. So this, let's say, this mix of attitude and and experience that provide the confidence to uh, to the board of the company to say, well, to give me a chance, because uh, mm -hmm. of course it's it's you know, it's an honor for me to get the chance, and but as well to prove them and to prove to the team that uh, we are doing something very very unique here uh, to uh, to make learning better and to make the the society better. Mm -hmm. um, no. No, that's that's incredible because you know as you found when you're you know hiring your team you can't you can't you can't um, you know teach attitude right you, you they have to show up 
with that. You so, cannot. How, so how did you, you how did you get that attitude that has been so helpful to you? Because you know you you've had lots of successes, yeah. but you also could have looked at it in a kind of a uh, you know in, in a negative way too. That things were were holding you back. Because certainly moving different countries and learning new languages can be very arduous, and it's not always fun, right? Being the Absolutely. person that, that, that's different or not you know struggling to learn the right word. So. How did you get get uh, get through that? And what what where did that come from? <clears throat> Absolutely. So, uh, again, a very good question. Um, so, it's uh, it has been a it has been a constant change. So mm -hmm. when you when you you know I, I moved to Italy, I was eighteen years old. Mm -hmm. uh, so I I, have, I think I was still a, almost a kid, and I had to speak a new language. So it's this constant change. So when I talk about attitude is how yeah. do you deal with change? Yeah. How do you deal with being uncomfortable, being uncomfortable of speaking a new language, uh, having to deal with a new culture? So yeah. the openness and the eagerness of um, putting yourself at risk, so taking the risks, uh, yeah. being open, being open to, um, to say, yes, I don't know. Mm -hmm. but I'm willing to learn. So yeah. that, that is, I think that is a key um, that get, that at least has helped me to you know, move up, move up, learn, get better, get better. And it, there has been uh, times that have been, it hasn't mm -hmm. been easy. It has been very hard because at a certain point you, you face people and that, that will challenge you. That will, are you doing the right thing yeah. um, or not? So you, you really have to be willing to not take things personally. Mm -hmm. but be open to to change so i think that that uh the attitude of saying of um be open to change it's it's super important the other thing is that uh with change comes what when you are <clears throat> if you're open to change it means that you are open to take risks often people say um i don't know well it's not that because you don't know that you don't take risks that you don't try something yeah. so trying something new i think uh and being open to take those risks and put yourself in a very uncomfortable um position it's it's very helpful i'll make an example i moved to italy i didn't know the language i learned it now it's i speak italian like it's my second language i would say uh, but then when I moved to France, French language has nothing to do with Italian. Oh my God, that was, <laughs> oh my God. I was, I was the first six months, I was uh, almost depressed because yeah. I would not understand much of French. Uh, yeah. French people were struggling to speak English yeah. and was was very tough. So I had to learn. I had to almost go back to school, let's say, and every night after work, learn, 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 learn. It took a while, so it's a marathon. It's a marathon of, of patience. You have to be patient and and keep be positive. Be positive yeah. with the thinking that you can do it. Because so if you did, basically yeah, if I can yeah. interrupt you for a second. So so what did what like what was your your self talk? Because I think a lot of people, if they look where you are today, they think, oh, George, you're you're so lucky, right? You know, you have such a you know a, you you have this great job and you have this great opportunity, and and they don't realize that um, all the work. That was behind it, and we and we tend to gloss over that. We just want to see George at at, at the end. But you know, I think there's a lot to be learned. And you know, when you hit those those low points, and you said you're almost depressed, right? That that's a that's a big admission for someone with such a with such a positive attitude. Do you remember what you were telling yourself to keep to keep you going, so you can keep that effort? Because that's the key. Once you stop trying, then 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 
um, you know, kind of the, uh, the negative piece takes over. But what were you saying to yourself back then when you're know, like month two and three in France when you still weren't, you know, learning the yeah. language quite yet? <laughs> yep. So it comes from a from a from a deeper feeling. It comes mm -hmm. from from the history, from uh, going back in time, from the, my, my family history. So my family in Albania, we were not, we were poor. We were, I come from a poor mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. The deepest feeling and thought was you cannot uh, be in a worse position. You can only be better. So mm -hmm. uh, my, the, the, I would say the, the, the bigger thought uh, and the most important thought that still keeps me fighting today to be a better mm -hmm. person is yep. that my parents did so many sacrifices to get me there. Mm -hmm. So in comparison to them, what I was f facing was nothing. So I could only do better and only to do better, you should fight. Yeah. And you yeah. should, uh, that thought, I think, keeps the engine going, keeps the positivity, positivity flowing. So, you know, going from Albania to Italy, to France, yeah. and now to Boston, yes, I'm very lucky, but the work that it took, it's, it's a lot of sacrifices, but sure. for sure. the good reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you didn't use that as a as a crutch to keep you from trying, right? You could have said, well, I'm, I'm from a tough situation, so I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do what these other people do, right? But you'd, you'd use that as Absolutely. a way to uh, kind of launch you forward, which, which is great. And I think we all have those situations that we can, we can uh, turn that way and, and turn it into, into a positive. No, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, I, I don't know any, any successful person that, that, that hasn't had obstacles that they have to run into, right? <laughs> it's kind of, uh, you know, it doesn't work in the movies. It doesn't play that well, but that, that's what the way exactly. life is. But there's an interesting thing exactly. that you also said is that, is that um, I, I don't want to gloss over because I, I think you're, you're a very humble person. Um, you talked about the, you know, the, you have the right uh, experience and you have this, this business sense, but that's also not something that, um, that everyone picks up on. So there are a lot of software programmers out there that will never be in your seat, right? They don't see necessarily how to translate what they're doing to a value that you know, someone else would want and do it in a way that you can actually you know, make money, right? It's very easy to spend yeah. money, as you know. Um, so you can yes. throw money at things. But how do you do it in a way that you know, net, you know, Gutenberg technology has some left over and the clients, you know, whatever they pay, they feel that, that they're getting much more in return, right? That, that's a very difficult balance to come through. How did you, how did you navigate and, and learn that over time? Because that's not part of the education system, at least not in this country. I'm assuming not in Albania either. And it's, and it's not something you necessarily learn on the job either. It's hard to kind of pull that out. So how were you able to figure that out? <clears throat> it is. I, I would say the, the first thing, it's curiosity. Curiosity mm -hmm. of... Um, of wanting to learn new things and of um, extending my knowledge. So it's intellectual curiosity. I would say when I, when I was back at the university, I was, no, I was learning how to, to program, to do software development, but I, I was talking to people who were doing business just because I was interested in that. And just because it's very, ah. there's, a, there's a simple principle is that business knowing how to do business so knowing how to do explain the value it's very important and back at the time i was already seeing i was talking to software developers mm -hmm. and they would be able to explain you very in a technical matter of what the software is doing yep but not being able at all at selling it or ex expressing the value so i would say that is what pushed me to uh to go and search more the business side of things mm -hmm. uh in different ways um uh, 
online courses, uh, talking to people, to entrepreneurs who, who do business, involving myself with outside projects that mm -hmm. in the short term didn't mandatorily gave me a financial return, but that gave me something more important, the knowledge, so the learning. Um, one, the, one of the example was the co-founding that crowd, crowdfunding company, for example. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the most important thing. And then, you know, uh, putting myself in a, in a learning mode in all situations, uh, in all the countries I've, I've visited so far. Um, and, and I would say the biggest thing is, and I get back again to the, uh, to the, um, to the, what I was saying earlier in mm -hmm. taking risks, even in learning. Yep. When I, w when I started at Gutenberg, I started as a project manager, but I had a lot more knowledge than just handling projects. So the, um, um, my former boss and the founder of the company at the time, he said, he, he saw my abilities to how I talk to customers and how I sell. And he said, do you wanna, would you wanna take the role of a sales director? Ah. I said, I said, <laughs> I said, I've never done this, but I don't have anything to lose. And yeah. I, I would love a new challenge, especially in, into sales. So I, I got it and I had to learn everything from scratch. Mm -hmm. So, um, what was what was the biggest challenge in that? Because those are two ex extremely different uh, skill sets that people definitely can't, they typically can't make that that jump because one is doing, um, you know, um, is very sequential. The other one's you know much more larger picture, taking the other person's point of view and, and making sure you match up what they need with what you have and, and in a way that they understand, not in the way that you know, right? And that that's a very unique. Uh, um, skill too. What, what, what helped you bridge that gap quickly? Cause I'm sure there were some, it wasn't smooth at, at, at the beginning cause it's a very different, uh, different mindset. Yes. Yeah, indeed. Very, very, very different mindset. I would say two things, uh, mm -hmm. were the most challenging things. The first, well, learning what sales is. So learning yeah. all the sales processes, the concept, the principles around sales. But the second thing, which we, which was more challenging is that um, learning how to deal with people, how to deal yep. with different kind of people, different egos, different characters in different uh, corporates, and being able to be as empathetic, whether either you like the person or not, to be as empathetic, to listen, and to still be able to um, explain the benefits and the values that you bring in customized to them. So it's yep. it's a it's a I would say sales it's an art. Who knows how to do it? It's they make it look so simple, but in reality, yeah. it's an art, and it's it's a it's a labor of repetition, repetition, enhancement, repetition, enhancement. And but that was the most challenging thing because I was not used to it. I was not really used to it um, in doing that. I would say. Now, did your I would assume um, in some ways uh, the fact you've lived in, in different cultures, different countries, you know, different languages is helpful, but also. Um, depending on where you are at the time, it also can be very difficult because those also can be barriers because you don't know one, um, you know, culture incredibly well, right? You're, you're more of a generalist. Did, did that help yes. you or did it make it more, more difficult having the varied experience that you had? It actually is a good question. So it's, it made it easier when I was doing business in Europe with mm -hmm. other countries. It yep. made it very easier because I was able to connect. Uh, for example, we're doing, we're talking to Italian customers, um, mm -hmm. uh, customers from the UK, from Germany, yeah. but then 
French based at the time because my French was good, but you know, there's, you know, language good, but that you to sell, you have to really, you know, master language. Cause so that actually was a challenge. Yeah. It was a challenge, but I saw it again. It's the matter in situations where you are in difficulty and seeing a situation. Is this a challenge? Is this a, a, a bad thing? Or an opportunity. So that was an opportunity and an additional motivation to push me to learn the language even better. Because without mm-hmm. that, I would not be successful. So mm-hmm. I I just went and uh, committed more myself to uh, to learn French language at the time. But indeed, it's a barrier if uh, if you want to do uh, sales in a, in a certain language. Sure, sure. Oh wow, no, that's fascinating. Okay, well now we we fast forward. Now you're the uh, the CEO of. Uh... Of Gutenberg technology, <laughs> and uh, here you are. You're you're the guy. You make all the decisions. The the, the future yes. is resting on your shoulders. So it's a big responsibility, but also I it can is. tell by by the way you you've taken on everything else. It, it's it's uh, you know it, it's exciting and it's energizing for you. So given where you are uh, right now, can you tell us a little bit about what you you know w- what you're um, focused on right now, and and uh, how are you serving your your clients? What what's the you know kind of w- what are the the benefits for working with yes. you right now that you're proud of. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, it's I'm, I'm I would say I'm very very passionate uh, on doing what I do and uh, being here at Gutenberg and being the CEO. Um, why? Uh, first of all, because we are working in an industry that uh, that will make the world better. And I will, as I was saying earlier, the the, the society better, learning better. Um, in how. You have the technology that the last, I would say, hundred years has been skyrocketing. It's going, uh, it's it's growing in a in with a speed that it's it's wow, it's unbelievable, and it's and it's super exciting. Yeah. But uh, the corporates or even universities and um, mm-hmm. and um, publishers, they haven't been evolving as much in adopting that technology to manage their knowledge. First of all. Uh, to give you, uh, to give you just some uh, so, some numbers, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the United States, yeah. there's something like seven million job openings, and there are the today the pe- people don't have enough the skills to answer to the demand that the corporates need to face their digital transformation. Yep. So yep. where Gutenberg comes, Gutenberg we have created this unique solution to allow all of these, uh, I would say, corporates to very easily create content online, uh, beautifully design those content, reuse, uh, and distribute in all formats, let's say like an, as an ebook, mm-hmm. as a mobile app, as a learning management system, or even publish those in other platforms in a very simple and efficient way so that they don't need to have headaches with the technology. They focus on what is the most important, their knowledge. Yep. Um, and and bring more value to the business very rapidly. So because it's all about time to market, how fast, or I would say time to value. How fast can you uh, manage your knowledge in the way that it it helps? What it helps it helps you in your digital transformation and to go more concretely in digital what digital transformation means means are you able to upgrade and uh, your employees with the mm-hmm. needed skills for your business to be better, to be more competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and are you able to provide the tools or that same knowledge to your customers? 
Um, mm -hmm. Think about all the documentation. I'll make a simple example. Yeah. Let's let's say you go to IKEA. Mm -hmm. You're not going to go and have old papers with documentation, or, or even the catalog. You now you just open your phone and say, okay, let's check online. But let's yeah. say some of that documentation or the catalog gets updated, so you need that update real time because this is how yeah. it works. Today is today's economy. It's all about real time. So so this is where we go and we bring this unique solution out of the box uh, to all these companies. And we have, let's say, accumulated this with international experience, um, all of this expertise that not just bringing, bringing the tool, but as well helping them, supporting them in this uh, digital transformation. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, uh, now, th th that's incredible. So do you, do you uh, does your company tend to focus more on um, helping uh, on, on the business side, helping companies with their employees or more educating customers or the prospective market or, or is it uh, does it just depend on the on the industry it really depends on the industry we have mm -hmm. we have i would say we have done both um mm -hmm. when we work for example with publishers we help them to um to really accelerate uh the content publications in different formats when we work mm -hmm. with universities we work, for example, with the French Ministry of Education. We built a learning platform for to support 4.8 million students, which is a huge oh, uh, yeah. initiative, and that uh, hopefully will change for the best the um, the education in, in in France. We we work with corporates who uh, use our platform to train employees. For example, um, this um, company called Vinci Park. They are they manage parkings all over the mm -hmm. world their mm -hmm. need was how do i how do i manage uh, our uh, training managers one is in brazil another one is in the uk another one is i don't know in thailand they need to create trainings in different languages but mm -hmm. i don't want them to use each of them their own tool i want them to use one online tool yep. where they create the trainings in their language mm -hmm. and with one click those training can be in, uh, in, in, on mobile apps. And I can still manage it. I can still, me as the head of the training, I can still manage it in the platform. So it's really depend on the case per case and on the industry, I would say. Okay. No, no, that's, uh, that's incredible. Um, now, how does the, um, how does the, uh, the pricing structure work? Is this all like subscription-based or is it a, a flat rate or does it depend on, you know, the, the, the scale of the project or... A combination of, of all these like how, how yeah. do you uh, you know compare to other solutions the pricing yeah example. it's a it's a subscri subscription based basically okay. you you pay you pay a per seat a per user uh mm -hmm. license and you can you basically create unlimited projects so you don't have any limit in how much you can create so your return investment grows the more you use a platform the more you create projects the bigger your return investment in comparison to what you pay mm -hmm. for the license. Hmm. That's incredible. Now, what are your um, your challenges as you, because now you have this uh, this engine that's working, and now you need to find people that want to use this uh, this engine. What what is your um, what is your biggest challenge right now, or where your where your efforts focus to get more people using this uh, this this tool? I would say the um, the two biggest challenges is so growing and selling, especially now we are hiring a lot of people. So recruitment it's it's not easy because 
it is a very competitive market, especially mm -hmm. in, in, in recruitment and the United States in Boston, it's the, mm -hmm. the economy is exploding. So it's not easy to find the right candidates and with the right, again, attitude and mindset. Sure. sure. Um, and the second thing we are in a, in a, in a stage, the company is on in a stage right now where we are, we are ready to grow fast. The, it's happening step by step. Uh, but the whole thing is, a, is that how can we accelerate more? Mm -hmm. How can we uh, put our name outside there so that everybody can see what we do? So how can it's it's about branding, brand awareness? How right. can you get more known faster mm -hmm. without investing and burning I don't know a hundred million dollar in cash uh, sure. on marketing and sales? Because you, we are not a Silicon Valley company. We have yeah. a good, I would say, uh, financial resources, but uh, it's always about. How do you do more with less? So in yeah. this case, how do we get known very quickly? Uh, because then it's very easy. Once our, a customer sees what we do, they are they they fall in love with it. They are like, yeah. wow, um, because the product it's it's fantastic. So can you can you talk a little bit a little bit more about that? Because one of the things that really strikes me that I, I wasn't uh, expecting is is when you um, talk about. Um, uh, you know, curating knowledge, which is, you know, I thought, you know, Google had the, you know, had the market on that, but also doing it in a kind of, in a beautiful way. You, you use that term several times. I don't know many software engineers are thinking about beautiful, right? You're thinking about practical and that, you know, does it, exactly. does it work and does it not have any bugs in it? So how does, how is that um, um, appreciated, if you will, by your clients? Or is it something you, I assume it's, you know, it's not black and white, but I think it has to yeah. make a difference, just like with with the Apple products, right? They're they're just so simple, and the aesthetic is so incredible. They they can they can charge a, a huge premium, whereas other products, you know, don't have that focus, so they can't charge that premium. So, uh, are you yeah. able to able to create the aesthetic, but you're not charging for it? So actually, it's a tremendous value for the you know for the people that use you, then versus other yeah. other uh, systems. Yeah. So we focus <clears throat> we we focus on the beauty of it because mm -hmm. i was uh, mentioning earlier that technology today is not about the raw, raw technology it's about the mm -hmm. easiness and the beauty and the simplicity of how mm -hmm. you present that knowledge what mm -hmm. we have done we have built um i would say uh, best in class user centric learning designs mm -hmm. um so we have this uh let's say thematic design approach mm -hmm. that allows our customer out of the box to use those that has it's like let's say if i have to make an example is imagine you it's almost like using powerpoint and you are choosing the template already so you don't need to work on the template so yeah. when we work with our customers we right away give them access to these beautiful designs they just have to choose it pick it use mm -hmm. it right away just focus on creating the content and yeah. then the, the designs are already responsive, so they work on a smartphone as it can work on a tablet or on just web. Sure. Uh, and it helps them doing what? Well, if, it, if, it's, if it's a student, a student needs, you know, fun learning, needs yeah. simple content that are clean, again, that are responsive, that are uh, accessible online or offline, mm -hmm. and employees. I'll make an example. I have friends who works in that are in finance, and they say, "Yeah, we have uh, trainings, but they are very boring. The yeah. system is it's not good. It's not responsive. Yeah. And 
they are very flat. There is no interactivity. So what I and, I, and I'm like, so what do you do? And he's like, oh yeah, I click next, 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 <laughs> next. And that's it. So yeah. come on, we're in, in 2018. Yeah. We can yeah. do, we can do, we can do much better than that. Sure, sure. Oh, that's interesting. Now, are you also able to, because of course there's lots of new um, research about how to customize learning because you know, we're all just a little bit different. You know, for instance, you know, in, in this country, at least, you know, probably 60% of the population is sequential in their cognitive preference. So they think, you know, one, two, three, four. So, uh, but there's also 40% yeah. that are associative. So they're thinking, you know, kind of big picture. And it's very difficult to, to um, have something that's flexible enough to, to focus on both of those types of, of cognitive preferences, which can't be changed. You're kind of, you're born with that. And you can use your IQ yeah. over both ranges, right? So it's not like, you know, one is better than the other. It's just, you know, different. So you're clearly someone who um, has lots of, uh, you know, uh, 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 um, associative preferences because you can think big picture and, and you can see that. And that's what we need in our, in our uh, leaders. Um, but there's also um, leaders that have a sequential preference and are very good at, you know, putting systems together that, that move forward. But is there a way that your training can be customized or, or used uh, for those types of things? Or is that too granular for the, for the, uh, yeah. training that you have <clears throat> so um if i take a step back and yeah. give some more details about yeah. what we'll call the more customized learning uh, yeah. or adaptive learning yeah. without wanting to use too many big words because i think yeah. people sometimes overuse big words because um, yeah. it brings a bit of confusion but so four years ago or five years ago we built the first mobile adaptive learning app mm -hmm. Uh, in collaboration with Newton, uh, for it's for French grammar, so the first mobile learning app for French grammar in collaboration wow. with Newton, mm -hmm. uh, using their adaptive learning engine, was beautiful app, very nice and easy. It allows you basically either to go in a very sequential mode, so mm -hmm. let's say lesson one, lesson two, lesson three, yep. or to go in training mode, and the training mode. Uh, basically would work how you would take an exercise, you would see a video, you would take another exercise, you would read a text and based on the results, the app would dynamically propose uh, learning paths, either easier ones so that mm -hmm. you could repeat on the same subject mm -hmm. and get better at that subject until you get better Then it takes you to the next level. So with a level of difficulty that it's a bit higher. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we have this experience and what we took out of that experience is that in order to be effective in providing a more custom learning or adaptive learning, or even doing, for example, using artificial intelligence to provide the adaptive learning, uh, the lesson we took is that you cannot do that if you don't structure your knowledge and your content in a granular way, tagged. Mm -hmm. um, so that an adaptive learning engine can take this, what we called learning objects and can structure it and serve it based on, uh, based on how a learner is, uh, is going or is doing, I would say. So this is the capability we've added into the platform, the ability to create, easily create these, uh, chunks of contents that we call learning objects that can be reused, can be tagged, uh, and can be packaged in custom learning paths so that you can serve it to one learner, to a mm -hmm. group of learners, uh, or to an entire class or to an entire division of a company, let's say. Uh, so that capability is essential or I would say even crucial 
before even thinking of doing adaptive learning or using AI, because none of those will not be successful if you don't, um, if you haven't built this tree of knowledge with these little learning objects uh, for each subject, let's say. That is incredible because that um, what you just described, I'm not aware of uh, any way that uh, someone like myself as a business owner would have access to uh, certainly a couple of years ago. I mean, are there other people that are, uh, is this something that is completely um, proprietary to you or are you just um, implementing it before everybody else at, at this point? The the concept uh, the concept we we started as publishers and when we started in France mm -hmm. and we built sixteen textbooks four different subjects um, in four different grades, mm -hmm. uh, but the con and there's where we we actually realize even better that we you really need to go to the to the core so you really need to work with uh, the learning objects, yeah. uh, but the concept of learning object it's 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 known now. Uh, in, however, in terms of tools, all this expertise and knowledge that we have, the know-how that we have in uh, in creating content, in creating uh, textbooks or online courses, we put it on the tool. So the tool is not just another tool. It's a tool that contains all of this knowledge. So what we have done is that we have simplified all of that process in creating these small learning objects in comparison to other to other tools that they are more have more of a let's say approach of let's just create content without mandatorily thinking of the uh, more learning objects, reusable learning objects. So that is, I think, where we are very good at and we bring an additional value in comparison as well to uh, to competitors. No, it's incredible. You probably learned this in your uh... In your, in your sales career, right early on, you know, you had a, probably a presentation you wanted to go through, and sometimes you need to listen because sometimes they don't need you to go through the presentation, but you have to be listening and watching, right? So just going through it, you know, exactly. eight, nine, ten is just a waste of your time and the person you're talking to because they can jump ahead or they're or they're, you know, finished at at step six. So uh, it, it's important to have our learning uh, be able to adapt to, you know, sometimes we can go faster than you, you might think, or sometimes we need to maybe go a little slower or look at it in a different way and, and you learn it deeper. Um, so this, that's really exactly. I think, yeah. <clears throat> exactly. And think about, think about the information. So when I was uh, working in, uh, in the media with uh, mm -hmm. newspapers, um, mm -hmm. the uh, 10 years ago or even more, the, all of that industry uh, faced the digital transformation First, because the information, the news were being consumed differently. So you had the smartphone coming out, then you have the tablets. So the news was not just a, you know, uh, printed newspapers, a newspaper. So mm. you had to have chunks of information that would be presented in, again, in an app or on Twitter or on Facebook. So mm -hmm. different mediums. So that same exact, and of course, uh, different business models. Mm -hmm. And that same exact, um, I would say that same exact thing is happening with learning. So learning needs to be anytime, anywhere. So learning on demand, uh, yeah. not an entire course, but a specific subject in a specific moment that I need it. So in order to do that, you have to work on the, uh, with these granules of contents because otherwise we're not able to do that. And in addition to that, uh, we are at a point today where Students, for example, they don't want to pay any more 300 bucks or 500 bucks for a textbook. They mm -hmm. want to access maybe a chapter or a certain specific learning at that moment. 
So whoever creates this learning or this knowledge has to have the tool so that they can be agile and can answer to that uh, demand from the customer. But especially they can, um, they can you know, adapt their business model, evolve their mm-hmm. business model. So it's, uh, that's why I insist in saying it's crucial for their digital transformation. No, no, it's really incredible because, you know, our, our, at least, you know, in the United States, our education system hasn't changed in 200 years, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which, which is just amazing. You walk into a room, there's someone at the head of the room, they're giving you information, you take it down, and that just doesn't work, and it's not quick enough, and you have to be at a certain place or, or go at a certain pace, and it just doesn't work for everybody, and just doesn't work, period, now, because we have these, uh, we're moving so quickly, the, the information needs to be updated real time, so it seems like you have an answer for all of that and can really uh, partner with uh, many different, uh, both uh, you know, academic uh, institutions, but also businesses that need a uh, more educated workforce or need to educate a lot of uh, uh, the public so they can better understand how their services can, can help them. So that, that's, really, uh, that's really amazing. So you're right at the, uh, the epicenter of all this, all this change. So um, we're certainly glad, glad we have you in, we have you in Boston now too. So we get to, uh, <laughs> Get to have that uh, uh, firsthand. Um, is there anything else that um, uh, that uh, you, we we should know about what you're uh, what you're doing and, and what you're up to uh, right now, or how anyone may be able to uh, um, uh, to use your uh, your services um, as you're uh, as you're growing? Well, uh, I would say if anyone has some curiosity and even just want to exchange uh, on the on these subjects, I'll, I'll I'd love to. Uh, I love to get in touch with um, mm-hmm. you guys can just go on the website, www.gutenberg-technology.com um, or just reach out to me to on my LinkedIn uh, profile and write me a message and I'd love to yeah, talk about it and discuss. Okay, great, great. Is, is, is the best way to, to reach you uh, via, um, via LinkedIn, George? Is that your, your preferred... Uh... Yes, because okay. as as you know, my first name is not as easy. <laughs> uh, thank you for helping me with that. By the way, I would not have uh, come up with that uh, that pronunciation. But your your first name is spelled uh, G J E R G I. Yes, G J E R G J. G J. Oh, G J. Yes. That's right. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah. So. Um, but no, that's uh, that's great. So at least I have the first name. I'll, I'll have to work on the uh, the last name at a at a later date. But uh, this has really uh, been a, a fascinating conversation, George. Thank you for for taking the time. I, I can't imagine that anyone listening to this isn't going to be rooting for you in Gutenberg technology. And uh, I know I'm I'm trying to figure out how I can take advantage of um, of what you've put together so far because it has so many really um, valuable applications. So um, thank you well, for that. And uh, oh, go ahead. No, thank you very much, uh, Jay, for uh, for inviting me. And yes, this was uh, very fun. Great, great. Well, we'll have to uh, as you as you uh, continue to grow this. You know, we don't know where this is going to go, but um, um, you know, we'll have you back and, and talk about the uh, the next phase. Because uh, based on how your life's gone so far, you know, we're going to need to probably get the uh, script for a fourth movie. <laughs> you have the first uh, first three. So, uh, so anyway, thank you. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Finding Unique Value. Uh, we look forward to sharing our next guest with you uh, next week. And thanks, everyone. The Finding Unique Value podcast is sponsored by Elliott Asset Management. We help successful entrepreneurs create wealth outside of their business. 
to discover the five ways successful entrepreneurs become intelligent investors and grow wealth beyond their business, visit elliotam.com slash webinar 